I knew a few Heathers, now I know a lot of Heathers. Let's get to know one more. Hey, Heather. Welcome to the Hey Heather podcast, where I attempt to interview and get to know as many of the world's Heathers and their stories as humanly possible. I'm your host, Heather Edwards. Today's Heather comes to us from Thailand. She grew up in a tiny town in Washington state, then moved to L.A. to work as a script supervisor in film, TV, and commercials for a decade. She then moved to Thailand to work in anti-trafficking work with children. In 2015, she started a nonprofit called JoJo's Sanctuary. She does prevention and protection work through education, citizenship rights, foster care, and family strengthening programs. Please welcome to the show, Heather Askew. Hey, Heather. Hi, how are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Can you, you can hear me, right? Yep. Awesome. I didn't have, I was like, couldn't figure out how to test the microphone. So I was like, I hope this works. <laughs> no, yeah, loud and clear. Thank you so much for joining me. For everyone listening, Heather is currently in Thailand and it is 530 in the morning. Uh, yeah, I didn't actually factor in the uh, daylight savings time. So it's now 530 in the morning. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a little earlier than I played. But that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so sorry. I should have done the time zone math before <laughs> scheduling with you because I could have definitely gone later on my end. So I apologize. That's no problem. Yeah, I was just thinking, oh, 12 hours difference. And then like last night I was checking my calendar and I was like, oh, there was daylight savings time in America. We don't have that here. It's a little, little earlier, but that's okay. <laughs> Well, I'm really excited that you were able to join us this morning. And just to kind of set the stage for everyone, I'm going to give everyone kind of a rundown of your journey so far, according to the info that you filled out on your intake form. You grew up in a small town in Washington state and then moved to L.A. to work as a script supervisor for film, TV and commercials for a decade. And then you moved to Thailand to pursue anti-trafficking work with children. And in 2015, you started a nonprofit called JoJo's Sanctuary. I can't wait to dive in and hear more about this. Yeah, it's been kind of a crazy journey <laughs> looking back, like living it. It's just been like, OK, what's the next step? And then like, you know, being at this point, looking back over the last like, you know, 25 years, I'm like, oh, this has been kind of a really interesting um, life path. <laughs> Moving to Thailand was actually, it wasn't really my plan initially. Like I was going to a church in Los Angeles um, and our uh, pastor was like, oh, we're going to do a mission trip to Thailand. And we don't have anybody who's had a lot of overseas experience. And at the time I'd traveled a lot and done movies overseas. And so he's like, hey, can you join our team? And I was like, I mean, I guess <laughs> like I never thought about going to Thailand before. And then uh, we came just for two weeks uh, and worked at this after school program, working with um, kids in the slums and one of the red light districts in Chiang Mai in northern Thailand. And I just fell in love with the program and with the kids and was like, well, I don't know. I actually like we were driving to the airport and I was like in the in the taxi crying, like, just leave me here. I don't need to go back. I don't have a job. And they were like, I, I think you need like a visa for that. So, yeah. So I came back to America and um, just was thinking a lot about it. And um, yeah, I was having these crazy dreams about being in Thailand. My pastor's like, maybe you should move there. And I was like, yeah, I don't I don't think that's going to be a possibility. But I just randomly emailed the directors of the program that I had that we had worked with. And they were like, Oh, my gosh, all our volunteers are leaving. Please come work with us. We need the English teachers. And I was like, but I'm not a teacher. They're like, well, that's okay. It's just an after school program. So you can just like, you know, look stuff up on the internet and teach the kids. I was like, maybe and then yeah, just things ran just fell into place over time. And I moved here in March of 2011. So 10 years this this month. 
Yeah, I planned to come for a year, and then within six weeks, I had a foster kid who had been uh, orphaned during while after I arrived, and was like, "Okay, guess I'm uh, staying in Thailand longer." <laughs> so, oh, that's adorable. Well, yeah, you can't go back after hearing that. Definitely. Wow. So yeah, see, one simple email has the potential to change your life path. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It was really funny because um, I was also for a long time I'd wanted to do like a lot like a TV show. I'd worked in TV before as a script supervisor, but I really would like would have liked to do like a whole series myself. I usually just filled in for friends of mine. And um, and like I was planning, OK, I'm going to go to Thailand. I'm about to buy my plane ticket. And then I got a call saying like, hey, we got recommended. We got recommended to you by um, a director and we want you to come and interview for this TV show with Elijah Wood. And I was like, uh okay, Elijah Wood, Thailand, <laughs> which one do I pick? So I went in for the interview and it was between me and one other person. And I talked to the producer and stuff and he's like, well, you know, what are you going to do if you don't get this job? And I'm like, I'm going to move to Thailand in a week. <laughs> and he was like, what? <laughs> so I like kind of told the story. And so then like after the interview, a few days later, they called and he was like, you were really cool. We ended up going with this other person because she has experience in this particular type of, of film we're doing. And he's like, but if you ever come back from Thailand, we'd love to work with you. But I have this feeling that you're not going to come back. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm going to come back. I'm only going for a year. It's totally fine. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> little did you know, yeah. never came back. This producer that I met one time had totally called my life. <laughs> That's so crazy in such a cool way. So just to kind of circle back, how did you get into script supervising? Um, so I grew up in this teeny tiny town called Prosser in Washington. Uh, now it's a pretty big hotspot for like wineries. But when I was growing up, there were like 20 wineries there. And now there's like 300. Um, but I always, always loved TV and movies and was obsessed with like independent film and stuff. And so when I graduated from college and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life, my grandma of all people was like, well, you really like to watch movies. Maybe you should go to LA. And I was like, watching movies, making movies, not the same grandma. <laughs> but um, I did have a friend that was moving to LA at the same time. And so I was like, well, why don't we be roommates? And I figured like, well, I'll just go and see what happens. So I got this um, on the day that I was going to LA or actually sorry the day I graduated from college I got an entertainment weekly in the mail that had Drew Barrymore on the cover saying how to break into show business I was like well if that's not a sign I don't know what is so it was like be a production assistant you just get coffee and make copies for people and then you can learn all these different jobs and I was like well that sounds like a good idea so I went to LA and literally just like walked onto sets the people were like set up this is before 9-11 so uh you could do stuff like this and then they were like oh yeah there's this website that lists like all the people that hire PAs and so I went on the website I called 400 people in like five days and then I got hired to do as a production assistant and I didn't have a car so I had to rent a car <laughs> and then worked on that job for like four days and then I got a call back from another person I had left a message with and they hired me and I ended up working with them for like two years and shadowed all these different jobs on set and really liked script supervising because my brain is just super detail oriented so I did a course in that and then started being a script supervisor and commercials and TV and movies and, you know, worked with people like Orlando Bloom and Kate Hudson and Mark Ruffalo, all these people that are doing so well now, like Kerry Washington. So back before they were as big as they are now. So it was pretty fun. And then um, moved to Thailand after 10 years and have had a pretty exciting life here. <laughs> Amazing. So cool. 
So for all of the listeners and for me, because I don't really know, what is script supervising? Okay, so it's the person that sits next to the director on set. You have headphones like this. Um, And so you're listening to all the actors mic'd and you have the script in front of you. And before the movie starts, you break it down into like all the different uh, scenes and like what happens has to happen in each scene and all the transitions and how long each scene should take. So you have uh, a running total of how long the movie is going to be um, as you're filming it. And you keep track each day of like when you start, when you break for lunch, how many scenes you finish, did anything not get finished that you have to pick up the next day. Uh, sometimes you film a person walking from the kitchen in one house into the living room in a totally different house two weeks later. So you have to make sure you have pictures of that. What? How did, how did their hair look? What clothes were they wearing? Which side were they carrying their purse on? Like, you know, what did their ponytail look like? All that stuff. And then make sure things match also. So like if somebody stands up in a scene and then they later sit down, you need to know at what point they stood up and sat down because otherwise when you cut the movie together, it won't make sense because it's like, oh, here they're sitting, now they're standing, now they're sitting, now they're standing. <laughs> I've spotted some of those mistakes in movies and shows, and I always feel like a total sleuth. Like, aha. Mm -hmm. So really, the script supervisor is the one to blame for those, no? Well, not all the time, because sometimes you do different takes, right? And so even though my notes are full of like, this will not match, do not use this take because they stood up too late, or they're wearing the wrong jacket or whatever, and then you go to the finished movie, and they were like, but the performance was so good. So sometimes it's the director picking performance over, over matching. So sometimes you can blame the script supervisor but sometimes you blame the editor and sometimes you blame the director. It depends. You can't tell just from watching. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like those old spot the differences. Here are two pictures. What is out of place? That sounds so fun. Yeah. Growing up with Highlights Magazine, right? We're all experts at it. Yes, (laughs) exactly. So now fast forward, you're in Thailand. And in 2015, you actually started a non-prof. I would love to hear more about Jojo's Sanctuary. So when I was working at the after-school program, we had a couple kids who, um, you know, they were living in poverty. So parents sometimes would get arrested for petty crimes. Um because they're trying to feed their kids, make ends meet. And so when that happened, a couple of the kids had no other relatives to go with. And so I was like, well, you know, we just called a social worker and then like they go into foster care and the type staff looked at me with blank looks like, what are you talking about with foster care? So uh, there was like, oh, there's no foster care here. So that started me thinking like, hmm, I wonder if there's something we could do about this. Uh, there's also a lot, a big issue about citizenship in Thailand, where even if you're born here, it's a very complicated process to actually get citizenship. You have to do a lot of proving that multiple generations have lived here and stuff like that. And so working at the after school program was very time consuming. So I was like, well, I'm, we're never going to be, I'm never going to be able to work on these issues as long as I'm doing this full-time. So um, I ended up moving, uh, after three years of the after-school program, I went to work at an organization called Hug Project, H-U-G, Hug. And they work with kids who've been victims of trafficking and sexual abuse. And I was a social worker with them for a few years and saw like all these kids that were victims of these uh, crimes ended up coming from uh, families that were broken or parents that didn't have uh, enough skills to take good care of their kids. And so I was like, oh man, if we could really focus on like the family instead of the after effects, we could prevent a lot of these kids from ending up in these situations. So uh, a couple of my teammates from the after school program um, and I, we all have kind of like a heart for the same thing. And we just like prayed about it a lot. And we're like, okay, I feel like God's leading us to, like 
start this organization. We have no money. We have no plan. But I've been doing a lot of research and I ha- we all had experience in different areas working in like community development and economic things and children. So we were like the three of us together make a good team. Um, and then like I speak English and Thai. My teammates both speak Thai, but they're also one is from the Karen tribe and one is from the Mong tribe. So between the three of us, we speak like four languages. So we were like, okay, this can be good. We can work with a lot of people. Um, so we were working on planning the family strengthening program and to try to keep kids from oh, other issues. A lot of 95% of kids in Thailand who live in orphanages have biological parents living, but the reasons that they end up in and orphanages are mainly due to poverty and, and uh, lack of finances to send kids to school. Um, it's very, it's pretty, it's like number nine on the list of reasons that kids go to orphanages is because of abuse or neglect. There's a lot of other issues. So we were like, if we can help kids stay in their families, that's going to go a long way to keeping their uh, ties with their social uh, social group as well and their language and culture. So um, at that time, some friends of mine who are missionaries from Laos and um, well, w- the wife is from Laos and the husband's from uh, the Netherlands. They have been caring for their nieces and nephews from Laos. So I'd known them for a few years, the kids for a few years, but the kids ended up going back to their dad's family in, in Laos and the little boy's name was Jojo. He was eight and the caretaker he was with was not his parent when it wasn't one of his parents and she was abusing him and he ended up dying as a result of the child abuse and that happened all at the same time as we were starting this program and we didn't have a name and so I was like you know if his aunt had had access to the kind of support we're trying to provide to low-income families he would still be alive so I asked his uh my friends like could we name the program after him because I just was like he's just gonna be another statistic right another kid lost so if we can name our program after him like his memory will stay alive so we called it Jojo's Sanctuary and we were like well we don't have a location but we go to where the need is so we're like we want to be known as a place that people can come and get sanctuary get help for any variety of of problems that they have so that's where the name came from and so right now we're focusing on education we give scholarships to kids who um, are living in families um, in poverty especially specifically kids going into middle school and high school because they have uniforms here and it's like $150 for a full set of uniforms but a lot of parents are only making like four or five dollars a day so if they have more than one kid going up a grade then that's really debilitating so either their choices are send the kids to an orphanage or uh like don't go to school so we're like well let's keep them with you keep them in school um so we focus on that we also do scholarships for college students who don't have citizenship yet because there's a new law that that says if you graduate college you can get your citizenship um so we do college scholarships so that those kids can achieve that and then we're um i'm a foster parent my teammates are foster parents we're working with a group called safe families alliance thailand that is people from all over thailand working to shift the national sector from orphanage care into family-based care um developing foster care short-term care emergency care all the different aspects that we have in the states that don't exist here yet right now they have just long-term care long-term foster care in thailand um and then citizenship cases we've done i think we've completed 10 citizenship cases in the last few years and we have two we just finished two more we're just waiting on their on their card to come in the mail um and then we have like seven more cases we're working on right now and we also have this big family strengthening program where we've worked with um eight families at a time so we've done one complete program 
for 18 months with eight families. Um, and they're doing relatively well. It depends on the family. There's a lot of issues that go into it. It's not just uh, us teaching, you know, it's, there's a lot of internal things that, that determine whether it's going to be a successful like outcome or not. Uh, right now we're working with seven families and they're all single parents, single moms taking care of kids. And about half of them have had their kids living in orphanages and they're now back living with their moms. So we like help with that transition transition in the family support system and all that kind of stuff. Um, we off, we do income generating projects as well so they can start like a small family business to supplement their income so they have enough money to care for their kids now that their kids are home. So yeah, COVID threw a bit of a wrench in that, but Thailand hasn't had any COVID cases. Like we had uh, the second wave was pretty bad in December, but they, they quashed it within like a month. So I mean, altogether, since the COVID outbreak started, we've only had 85 deaths and like 20, 25,000 cases. So we shut down for a while, but we've been operating pretty normally since July of last year. So, yeah. So that's where we're at now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is some amazing stuff and sounds like a <laughs> lot of work. Thank you for just taking the time to explain that in such detail. I can't wait for our listeners to hear this and learn more. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of incredible. Every time we have a board meeting, they're like, you're sure there's only three of you working here, right? <laughs> We're like, oh, wow. So it's still just the three of you to this day. That is incredible. Yeah, we've had we had an intern. We had an intern a couple of years ago named Blair from Washington State, and we had an an intern from a, a seminary last year. But other than that, and, and we had an intern for a short time from the Netherlands. But all of them were just here for like three months and or a year, and yeah. So day to day is just three of us. <laughs> so where can we go to find out more about JoJo's Sanctuary? Is there a website or a social media account we can follow? Our website, yeah, we're like everywhere. So our website is jojosthailand.org. And we're on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Jojo's Thailand. Um, because Jojo's Sanctuary has two S's in a row. And then I was like, people are going to get confused. Let's just call it online Jojo's Thailand, even though that's not the official name. But yeah. So yeah, so you can do that. And right now we're doing, um, we've got 19 kids that we're going to give uniform scholarships to this year. So um, we're the school starts in May. Um, so we're starting, we're going to be starting a push for educational scholarships to get sponsors for all the kids this year. So that's exciting. So because you are a nonprofit, do you really just depend on donations? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the government in Thailand doesn't uh, usually give financial support to programs like ours. So, yeah, so we get a lot of donations from various churches, but mostly individuals. Um, so, yeah, so that's always trying to, you know, find new donors. And sometimes we do it by like sponsor uniforms. And sometimes we ask churches or uh, organizations that have a little more money if they'll sponsor like a the salary for one of our staff. So ideally right now, if anybody listening is would like to sponsor a family counselor for us, we have a really awesome person who has a counseling degree. But right now we don't have the uh, a support person to to pay for their salary so that's what what's on the books and yeah it's only $700 a month for like a really good like middle class salary in Thailand so I'm like huh, I feel like it's doable <laughs> yeah absolutely totally doable it sounds like all of that hard work has been paying off so far and if anybody out there wants to help check out Jojo Sanctuary's website we'll put that in the show notes you know, this was one of the main reasons that I started the podcast was to offer a safe space for free self-promotion. So we'll see if any of our listeners might be able to help you guys out. It's surprising how expensive those uniforms are. 
It is. And a lot of the, most of the schools will give one uniform for free. Um, but yeah, that's only one uniform. And like, you know, you, they need, they have to have five uniforms because each day they wear a different one. And then they also need to have three different pairs of shoes because they wear different colored shoes on different days. <laughs> and then there's like certain accessories. There are five different uniforms. Yeah. There's like, well, it depends on the school. Some only have four, but there's the, the school, uh, student uniform which is like a shirt a collared shirt and and a skirt or pants and then there's scouts they're huge into girl scouts boy scouts here so there's a full day of of school every week that you wear your scout uniform and yeah there's all these scout things and then they have like their traditional northern tie uniform and then they have their sports uniform for the days they have pe gosh it sounds like spirit week in high school here in the u.s (laughs) yeah so interesting i did not know that and the scout uniforms that's cool yeah, it's so funny because people come they're like, oh, they look like scout uniforms. I'm like, they are scout uniforms. <laughs> so the big question I'm sure everyone is dying for me to ask is, do you have access to Girl Scout cookies? Sadly, no. I was all like, great, we have scouts here. We're going to get Girl Scout cookies. Not not the case. <laughs> I've had people mail me Girl Scout cookies almost every year from the States, but generally they don't survive well because right now it's March, right? Everyone's selling Girl Scout cookies. It was 105 degrees yesterday. So (laughs) they don't fare very well in the mail. (laughs) Oh, bummer. Yeah, they would totally be melted. Well, this has just been a great episode. I've enjoyed talking to you so much. You mentioned earlier that you have been doing some fostering. How long have you been doing that? Um, since I, let's see, so I moved here in March, my first foster daughter I got in June of 2011, so almost 10 years. I've had five foster kids in that time. So two have been true orphans, and uh, my oldest is now, she also had like stage four tuberculosis when I got her, she survived, which was a miracle. Um, literally the doctor was like, I've never seen a case like this, this is a miracle. (laughs) I was like, okay. So now she's graduated from college this year. Um. And then I've had I had one who was a victim of abuse that was with me for a few year, a few months, and now she's in college. One was a um, oh your internet's not good. Uh, and then another one was a boy who was an uh, an orphan. I had him for a few years, and then now I have um, I had just had one move back in with her family after being with me for a few months, and then my the one that I have right now is going to be moving in with her sister in three weeks. So yeah. Family reintegration is very exciting. <laughs> Any plans to come back to the U.S. anytime soon? Uh, not at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, sounds like you have a lot going on right now. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. And um, I feel like the stuff that I'm able to accomplish here, I wouldn't be able to do at the same level in the States. Um, but I'm going to grad school right now. So if I move back to the States, I'll at least have like an advanced degree because I'm not busy enough. I decided during COVID we had like lockdowns for two months and I was just sitting around bored and I was like, well, I've reached my capacity for Netflix, which I didn't think was possible, but here we are. And I was like, maybe I should go to grad school. So then I applied for grad school and got in. And then I didn't really anticipate the fact that life would be back to normal here when school started in September. And so now it's like normal job plus grad school. So yeah, but wow. Do you attribute the drop in COVID cases there just to lockdown and everyone staying home? Yeah, I mean, Thailand is pretty authoritarian. So uh, they they shut down really quick um, as soon as we had the, a few cases. 
uh, all together in my entire province, since the beginning, we've only had 365 cases. So uh, the lockdowns helped a lot. And then they shut down all essential businesses almost immediately, non-essential businesses almost immediately. So we were only allowed to leave the house to go get groceries. Um, and then even now, even though we haven't had COVID in a long time, if you're going into any public location, a mall or a store, you're they you're required to check your temperature and wear a mask. Like even some of the stores have like actual body temp scanners and video. So the doors literally do not open to go into the grocery store if you are not wearing a mask and if your temperature is too high. Like, it's automatic. So, yeah. So that's been a big thing. And they've done a ton of contact tracing. So, like, if they have one, if they catch one person who has COVID, they're like, where have you been? And they put announcements out and they have, like, a tracking system. So so that's how they're finding most of the cases even today. Even though we're not only, they're only finding, like, 80 cases a day now. But it's almost all because they're doing contact tracing and, like, following up where people have been. So, yeah. Thank you so much for getting up early to share this information with us. What time do you normally get up in the morning? I normally get up at six because my foster daughter has to get up at six to get to school. She has to leave for school by seven. So, yeah. Well, thank you for getting up for this. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I was like, fun podcast. Yeah, right? I think it's a nice way to start the day. Yeah. Cool. So is there anything else that you'd like to share or promote? Or is there any type of message that you'd like to give to our listeners? I don't know. I feel like I covered it all pretty well. Uh, if you want to come to Thailand, they're going to be opening back up soon. At the moment, you still have to quarantine for a long time and it's expensive. So wait for a while. But I'm pretty sure by July, they're going to be like, if you have a vaccine, if you've gotten the vaccine, you can come. So yeah, Thailand is pretty great. Northern Thailand is great. The islands are awesome too. But if you come to Thailand, come to the north also because then you get the mountains as well. Good advice on traveling to Thailand from a Heather that lives there. I definitely don't want to take up any more of your morning, so I'm going to let you go. Please feel free to keep in touch if you ever want to come on again or do a part two. Don't hesitate to reach out. I hope you have a great rest of the week, and we will talk again soon. Okay, have a good evening. Yep, you too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe. You can also sign up to receive updates and other podcast news on our website, theheyheatherpodcast.com, or follow us on Instagram at theheyheatherpodcast. I knew a few Heathers, now I know a lot of Heathers, let's get to know one more. Hey, Heather. <laughs>